if you set your chat window to all panelists and attendees. Good morning, Robin. Of course, Robin's always here as our invaluable communications coordinator. Sarah, I cannot figure out how to address all panelists and attendees instead of just a panelist. Okay, so right where you type, at least this is how it works in my system, Sarah, uh, right where you type the message, it says two, and then there's a little oval. It says all panelists, and then there's an arrow. If you click on the all panelists, you'll have other options, one of which will be all panelists and attendees. See if that works for you. Good morning, Peter. Ah, okay, so chatting with attendees has just been enabled. I see, okay. So that wasn't an option before apparently. Got it. Good morning, Angela. Again, we'll be getting started in another four or five minutes. Welcome to people who are joining us on Facebook. Glad to have you with us. Good morning, Christine. If you want to have a candle ready for our candle lighting, this would be a good time to get that. And anything else that you want to have to make yourself fully comfortable for the time we're going to spend together this morning. Lynn, you should probably have a mug like this. Uh, yes, my philosophy of how you herd cats is that you open a can of tuna. <laughs> or as I like to say sometimes, give people what they want and the world will be, uh, nail a mousetrap to your door. Good morning, Naomi. Glad to have you with us. Vincent, Laura, good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Sam. So glad you could join us today. Still a few minutes to go. Remarkable how many West people are showing up early. My goodness. 
John Campbell raised his hand. Morning, Adam. John, what can we do for you? Good morning, Rajesh. Yes, and welcome to all our first time visitors. Glad to have you with us very much. Ah, Jeff, welcome back to the area back in Wheaton. You were somewhere in the Frederick area recently, I recall. Good morning to Elaine. Glad to have you with us. Hey, Donna. Good morning. Joe. Good morning. Hello, Shayla. Glad to have you with us. Ah, north of Frederick, closer to the Pennsylvania state line, actually. Okay, well, glad to have you back in the area. Of course, it is hard to tell the distance with the, our virtual online gatherings. Good morning, Abby and John. Welcome. I think maybe we'll get started, but um, <clears throat> please do continue to sign in in the chat if you like, and uh, for everyone to know that you're here, all panelists and attendees is the setting that you want to use. If you're visiting us from another ethical society, please mention that as well. Uh, once again, um, if you want to have a candle for our candle lighting a little later, uh, please Get that for yourself now and anything else that you want to have with you to make yourself comfortable for the time we're going to spend together this morning. I think we're now ready for our opening words. Great. Thank you, Perry. Good morning and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Lynn Cox. You can use they, them pronouns for me and I'm the interim leader here. Today's platform is about making room for all of the feelings that come with this season of the year, even if we're feeling pressured to feel one certain way. Opening words are adapted from Brian Keeley. As we hear these words, let's think ahead to our shared candle lighting and the sparks of candle throughout this month that help each other light. In times of darkness, we stumble toward the tiny flame. In times of cold, we seek the warming fire. In times of repression, we reach for the lamp of truth. In times of loss, we await the comforting light. In times of joy, we light a candle of celebration. As we kindle the flames in this diminishing light of the year, may we find what we need. Well, let's gather together. We begin today's platform with music from our guest, Tom Prasado Rao. This is Christmas in the Ashram. 
Well, I'm told um, that the theme for today is holiday ambivalence. And I thought there would be nothing more appropriate to sing for a group of atheists than a Christmas song. So I hope that you'll join with me. It's um, written by a dear friend of mine from Asheville, North Carolina, named Chris Rosser. Um, and it includes Indian and American images at the holiday season. And picture with me, if you will, the deities hanging out and having a laugh over a couple of beers. And that's what this song makes me think of. So before I start the song, I want to ask you to learn a part. It's really simple, okay? We start off on Om, you know, to sort of set the spiritual mood. I know that's probably not an atheist thing, but, you know, just work with me here, okay? So start off on Om. Om, and at the end, pa-ra-pa-pum-pa. Got it? All right. From the west and to the east They left their homes in search of peace A transcendental mystic yogi Took them in he was from California to Bombay, they traveled far to sing and pray. But on the last day of the year, the songs became a little weird. Singing, Om Alleluia, Hare Hare Krishna. In excelsis Deo, Rama Volo, Rama Volo, Gloria, Gloria, Gold in the Gopala, Om Noel, Jai Siram, Christmas in the Ashram. out of town There's tinsel on Vishnu's crown Someone hung a Christmas star from one of Shiva's extra arms There's eggnog in the black sliced tea Lotus petals on evergreens Incense learners green and red Santa hats on Om Alleluia Hare Hare Krishna In excelsis Deo Rama Volo Rama Gloria Gloria Gold in the Gopala Om Noel 
Psalms and Vedas praising God Maybe Christ and Krishna are amused When humans get a little bit confused Singing Om Alleluia Hare Hare Krishna In Excelsis Deo Rama Volo Rama Gloria, Gloria, goes in the Gopal. Om Noel, Jai Siram, Christmas in the Ashram. Om Noel, Jai Siram, Christmas in the Ashram. Alright, last time, ready? Welcome once again to the Washington Ethical Society. Welcome to our atheists, our agnostics, our deists, our theists, whatever your beliefs or non-beliefs, we're glad to have you with us this morning. My name is Perry Bider. My pronouns are he, him, his, and I'm today's officiant. Visitors from near and far, we especially welcome you. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas at M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put a link in that for the chat, link for that in the chat. And we hope you can join us after platform service for a chance to say hello. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, closing for the address itself and then reopening. If you don't wanna see the chat, just go ahead and close that window. Each week, a member of our community reads our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. If you are interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash readSOP. This week, our reader is Peter Bishop. Peter's a longtime West member who uh, is very active in the philosophy book group and is also on the board of Unitarian Universalists for Social Justice. Peter? Thank you, Perry. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together 
and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Peter. Whether you're lighting a candle or not, I invite you all to join me in our candle lighting words. Those of us who aren't lighting can just picture those of us who are. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thanks, Perry. And thank you, Peter. At West, we are a community of people who come from different backgrounds and who have different traditions at home. Most of the time, we focus on what we have in common. And yet we know that whole people come with their whole selves and sharing our direct experience is part of how we find meaning together. I'd like to share something about how my family observes this time of year not to say that anyone else should, or that this is a shared part of our tradition at West, but to explain a little bit about where I'm coming from with today's platform. My family is interfaith. Some of us come from roots that observe Christmas, and some of us come from roots that observe Hanukkah, and we have come to understand and celebrate the winter solstice together. And we'll talk more about the winter solstice next week. What I bring out of each of these traditions is inspiration and strategy for finding human solutions to human problems. Without resorting to supernatural explanations, I'm able to find in each holiday ways to be resilient, reminders of my values, and connection with others. So I'd like to say a little bit about Hanukkah, which we're in the middle of right now. You might have heard something about oil, and though I am in favor of energy efficiency, that's not the main thing I get out of this holiday. Hanukkah is the story of a people who rose up against a major empire to reestablish their rights to keep their traditions and gather in the places that were special to them. It's a story of those perceived to be weak, resisting a power that was perceived to be mighty. They didn't wait for rescue, they took direct action. It was a human solution to a human problem. In the middle of the war between the Maccabees, that's the, the Jewish people, and the Seleucid Greeks, the Maccabees regained their temple. They had not been gathered there for a long time and had missed their eight-day harvest festival of Sukkot. The Seleucid Greeks had done their best to mess up the place that was precious to the Jewish people and even though the war had not been won, even though there were dangers ahead and things to do, the people decided to take time to make repairs. They would never get back the time that they had lost when they were, had been unable to gather. And even as they began to clean up, there were people missing, there were things missing that would have, they would have normally celebrated with, and there was still plenty to worry about. They took time to lament, and then they adapted. They created something new to help them breathe for a moment in the middle of a crisis. They created a different way to be together. And years later, when the Jewish people had to adapt again to spread out and 
take their traditions with them in on their travels and in their hearts, the celebration changed to one that is observed mainly at home, a way of connecting with family and loved ones for the same eight nights all over the world, even when you can't gather in person. I learned from this, there are plenty of ways that I can find meaning in Hanukkah. It is interpreted from the book of Maccabees that Hanukkah is eight days because Sukkot is eight days and the Jewish people were making up for lost time, though other suggestions for the eight days are also popular. Perhaps you can relate to postponing celebrations and gatherings. Part of the meaning of Hanukkah is to take a breath when you can, even if the moment isn't what you hoped it would be. Part of the meaning of Hanukkah is that our actions toward freedom matter. Even when we don't win in the short term, even if the occasions when freedom does win take a long time to accomplish, our actions matter. Hope is doing the next right thing, whether or not we are assured of success. Part of the meaning of Hanukkah is to bring warmth and light to wherever you are, especially in the darkest time of year, and to know that your warmth and light joins with others that we can't see. As you may know, menorah is a general term for a branched candelabra used in a Jewish context. The specific kind of menorah used at Hanukkah is a Hanukkiah. And you can have a Hanukkiah that uses oil lamps, but it's much more common for them to use candles. And there's one candle for each night of Hanukkah, plus one more that's used to light the others. And this ninth candle is called the shamash, the helper candle. And this is where I find one more part of the meaning of Hanukkah. The shamash is set apart because it stands ready to relight the other candles. Albert Schweitzer said it best, at times our own spark, our own light goes out and is kindled by a spark from another person. At time, our own light goes out and is rekindled by a spark from another person. Each of us has cause to think with deep gratitude of those who have lighted the flame within us. Sometimes we are the helper candle. Sometimes we are the candle in need of relighting. Sometimes we need to grieve over willful, cruel destruction of the people and places we hold most dear. And sometimes we're able to join in repairs. Sometimes we cannot gather when we wish we could and we look toward a day when we can create new traditions that will carry us through the times to come. So ends the story. As we make room for whatever feelings this season is bringing to our hearts, Let's enter into the centering time of our platform. Thank you, Lynn. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of all the individuals and families who have been touched by the recent upswing in coronavirus cases. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. 
and let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. Indeed. I invite you to take a breath that is nourishing for your body. Attend to the feeling of your in-breath and your pause and your out-breath. Today's meditation is adapted from words by Mark Stringer. As the year winds down to its close and we are submerged once again in the seasonal darkness we have come to know so well, we have reason to think back on the year that was, if only because it soon will be gone. Let us breathe, taking note of the waking light and the restful dark around us. We think back to the friends we have made, the sorrow we have endured, the love we have found, the loneliness we have survived. Let us breathe noticing and releasing the ways these joys and sorrows from the past year have come to us. We think back to the blessings of being forgiven and the gift we offered to ourselves when we forgave. We think back to those who listened to us in our time of need and the times we could have listened more. We think back to the things we traded for our time and to what we may have overlooked in the process. Let us breathe, remembering connection and repair. We think back to the times when we were afraid and uncertain and we trudged ahead anyway. The times when we were compassionate when we could have been cold. Let us breathe, remembering courage and kindness. In this season of still growing night, may we see more clearly against the dark backdrop of our living the true light of our lives, the love we give to others and the peace we nurture in ourselves. Let us breathe remembering love. We continue our meditation in silence. So if we could flip the season around, 
So we could take all the mumbo-jumbo out of it and the various names that we call various beings that we might feel or imagine or hope for. I think if we take all of the uh, perspectives during this season, we might synthesize them down to learning how to see ourselves and other people. So along those lines, here's a song that I wrote this summer as I was going through chemotherapy and I was severely immunocompromised. Actually, I wrote it in April and there were protests erupting all over the country. This was before George Floyd and the protests were about reopening the country and I saw one night on my Facebook feed this woman holding up a sign in Nashville at a protest saying, Sacrifice the weak, reopen Tennessee. And I thought to myself, man, that's a death sentence for me. And I got really indignant about it and really troubled and angry. And then I took a step back and started thinking about the woman holding up the sign. And I thought, Man, who do you have to be to hold up a sign like that? And I thought to myself, if that was me 10, 15 years ago when my girls were younger and I had lost my job and there was nothing to put on the table and they were hungry, I'd be holding up a sign too. So it gave me a window into understanding somebody was totally unlike me, but actually not that unlike me. So I wrote this song for this unnamed woman. I call it Even Now. You hold up your protest sign it feels like the end of times It's looking tough tonight In the land of the free It's right on my Facebook feed All there for the world to read And my heart Starts to bleed So this is for me Whoever you are Whatever you've done It's nothing that you Can overcome And whatever it is You're still going through Even so Even now Even you The world makes us enemies That's not who you are 
And I will still believe That we could be friends I'm sure that you're struggling now You know I am too And how So let's make a simple vow It's not how this ends Whoever you are Whatever you've done It's nothing that you Can't overcome And whatever it is You're still going through Even so Even now Even you When it's impossible To right the wrong There's still a refuge Where we both belong Wherever that is We'll make it through Even so Even now Even you Even so Even me We put up our blue and white holiday lights a little early this year. It seemed like any bit of cheer that we could wring out of 2020 was overdue. And then last year I had bought an electric Hanukkah on clearance after the holidays thinking I would put it in my office wherever I ended up working in 2020 because of course I would be working in an office in person on a regular basis. So instead, the electric Hanukkah is on the windowsill in our living room where we wouldn't have put a Hanukkah with live flame because of the cats. As you learned last week, my cats have no sense of propriety or decorum. So, so this year we're sharing our light a little more with the neighbors with the lights in the windows and the Hanukkah. We're sharing our light even though we're only greeting our neighbors from 10 feet away when we meet outdoors. It's a mixed bag, isn't it? Some of us have chosen to be aggressively festive in self-defense against all that this year has taken. Others are being more low-key, not doing anything different than any other day, either because it's too sad to miss the usual traditions or because the holidays were never something to celebrate in the first place. Some of us may be finding this year of doing things differently to be an invitation for reflection and creativity, a chance to create something new and meaningful, shielded from the public pressure 
to conform to a certain way of celebrating it. And for a lot of us, it might depend on the day. I've been serving congregations for 18 years. Every year, there are those among the people I'm serving who feel that the bright lights and merry messages that were surrounded by in December rankle against their feelings of grief, sadness, or frustration. Every year, it seems like those who have conflicted or traumatic memories related to the winter holidays, or those who are in the most intense stages of loss, or those who feel pressured to plan events and perform holiday cheer beyond their capacity, lots of people need a safe space where they can feel their true feelings. And the way I would usually set that up, set up that permission giving space doesn't work over Zoom. So we're all figuring and feeling our way through and this won't be perfect, but I hope we can create a space together in this virtual platform with that permission. It's true that we need to be responsible for the impact of how we share our feelings. We do our best to channel our feelings in a way that's authentic and yet congruent with our values, that strengthens our connections with the best in ourselves and each other. We attempt to express our feelings in a way that humanizes rather than dehumanizes. That's not the same thing as avoiding conflict. There is a line between discomfort and destruction. We may need to endure some emotional discomfort in ourselves or among close loved ones in order to express our feelings of hurt or anger or sadness or to receive the same. What I'm saying is that those emotions can be valid, even if you don't feel like they have been welcome among the bright lights and festive decorations in the past. You may have caught one of the new holiday movies on TV this year, The Happiest Season. It's okay if you didn't, I'm not going to wholeheartedly recommend it, but it is an interesting commentary on the pressure to feel or act a certain way during the winter holidays. It's a romance and they don't really make romance movies about people with healthy relationship skills. Without getting too deeply into the spoilers, the central dramatic tension of the movie comes from a family with three adult daughters. And while the parents who are now grandparents love their family and they value togetherness, they also care a lot about what other people think of them to the extent that their adult children don't think that they can tell the truth about their joys and sorrows in their lives or express their own preferences about how they spend their limited time together or set boundaries. Correctly or incorrectly, the adult children felt that their parents' love was conditional on the image they projected of perfection and the perceived threat of losing that love motivated them to make choices that hurt themselves and each other. Though the movie could have done a better job in some ways, the part about the destructiveness of valuing a harmonious holiday image over the authentic reality might feel relevant to a lot of people. One of my wishes for this year is that more people find new life-affirming, humanizing ways to show their love. 
I hope that the reduction in parties lowers the pressure to perform. I hope that less foot traffic in stores and malls where they blast non-consensual holiday music brings some peace to people who would rather not hear that music. I hope this year gives the people who need it a chance to put distance between themselves and situations that are hurtful. Sometimes we have to love people from afar. Sometimes we have to make room for our feelings when that space hasn't been made for us. And sometimes we're the ones who haven't communicated well enough to our nearest and dearest that their whole selves are welcome and that it's okay to say if someone feels hurt or angry or disappointed. Whether it, when it is safer to gather in person, I hope we remember all of this and are able to create inclusive, welcoming, non-coercive spaces, no matter what anyone's approach to the holidays. Learning to express our feelings in ways that humanize and connect and learning how to receive the expression of those feelings from people we love, that's a lifelong process. What I'd like to get across today is that we aspire to make room for ourselves and others to feel our feelings at this time of year. That might involve changing our conversational style or noticing subtle cues or taking time for our own reflection. If we ask people how they are, let's listen for as much as the other person wants to say about that. If the other person is ready for a longer conversation, let's ask open-ended questions about how people are finding meaning, processing the year that's passing and observing the events that are special to them. Open-ended questions can't be answered with one word. They are questions with space to elaborate. When we ask open-ended questions, we try to be mindful of the assumptions we've embedded into them. Does this question apply to the experience of the person we're asking it of? How was your Christmas invites a one word answer and assumes the other person celebrates Christmas. What have you found meaningful this month leaves more room for other answers. One of the challenging things about a time when we're doing so much of our communication electronically is that we miss some of the emotional cues that might help us calibrate the conversation to the mood and capacity of the group. We miss a lot of body language and tone of voice. And we're not close enough to identify the lapel pins or read the t-shirt messages. Many people are employed in situations that expect normal or even increased levels of functionality, even when the world is anything but normal. Under those circumstances, we try to bury our grief and it might be harder to see the grief that others are keeping buried. What I'm saying is that we've lost a lot of the tools we might normally have for being sensitive and compassionate with each other. At a time of year when many people would be feeling tender even without a global pandemic, we are risking the disconnection that comes from denying or glossing over the existence of grief, loss, and sadness. Let's try to account for the fact that many people are not as okay as they might seem. 
If you are remembering a loss that happened around this time of year, even many years ago, this month might be hard. I see you. If you have experienced a deep loss and or multiple losses this year, I see you. If your background or experience doesn't match the holiday cookie cutter template and you find it alienating when people assume it does, I see you. If your joy is muted because of worries over finances, I see you. If your childhood memories make this time of year fraught with fear or anxiety or sadness, I see you. If you usually find this time of year delightful and are overwhelmed with the degree to which this year is different, I see you. If you ache with missing loved ones or with loneliness in general, I see you. Your feelings are valid. Bright, twinkly romance movies on TV notwithstanding, you do not have to be merry if you don't feel it. And we also have to make room for unpredictability. Gratitude and disappointment, frustration and pride, hope and despair, grief for what was lost and love for what remains might all show up in our hearts. And we don't always know when or how those feelings will show up. It is not a betrayal of grief to allow the experience of joy to surface if that's what's coming up for you. There are those among us who will feel blue for this whole season. And there are those among us who are sympathetic and yet are mostly feeling content for themselves. And there will be a lot of people who are feeling mixed up and not sure what the next moment will bring. There are understandable reasons for all of those scenarios. It may be that you already have a strategy to help you sort those things out. Maybe you have a feelings chart on your refrigerator and you take time each day to choose a few that seem to resonate. Maybe you journal. Maybe you'll light a candle for yourself on a special day this season and notice what is on your mind and heart as it burns low. Maybe you are part of a deepening circle and you trust these companions with your truth. I hope that each one of us will take the time we need for reflection and maybe a little extra time as we put this momentous year behind us. If you do find yourself with a moment of joy or contentment or energy to share your love, this is a fine time of year to follow that feeling. If you have the capacity to get in touch with a friend and let them know that you're thinking of them, it matters. If you create something like painting or knitting or poetry or baked goods and have some to share, these are deeply meaningful gifts. Your offering does not need to be perfect. I wrote a few notes this week and while my handwriting was not great, I felt more connected and appreciative of the people I wrote to when I was done. And I ended the day with more contentment than I started. Sometimes we are the unlit candle and sometimes we are the spark. If you are the unlit candle, there are plenty of valid reasons why that might be so, and I hope you are able to receive what you need. If you have a spark, I hope you know how precious and impactful it is when you share it with others. A new year is on the way. We have a lot of work to do to help this new year bring its promise. Meanwhile, in this moment, 
Some of us may need time to lament destruction, and some of us may be getting ready to make repairs. Some of us will be missing loved ones, and some of us will be creating space for healing. Our feelings may match the holiday lights or the subtleties of the early sunset or the sharpness of the solstice morning sun. Whatever the colors or intensity of your feelings, may you find the space that you need to feel them. May it be so. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. A framing question might help spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. It's like a writing prompt, you can use it or not. And today you can answer either or both of these two questions. What feelings are you having this holiday season? What is helping you hang on? This time of year brings up a lot of big feelings, especially when we're at this pivotal point in history. Let's make room to express those feelings in a way that connects and heals, even if we've been taught that we have to be relentlessly merry. And let's make room for the strategies that bring resilience, the things that help us to give or receive the rekindling of a spark. As we contemplate, rest, and reflect, we'll experience the beauty of this musical response. What a horrific year, huh? What a season of grief and mourning. I wrote this song with a friend of mine named Grace Pettis. And we have taken to calling this year the year of losing things. in the dark and deep Lost track of time There goes swing This is the year of losing things The ICUs and the I can't breathe St. Jude won't you Pray for me. Won't you help us to believe? Cause this is the year of losing things. Somewhere along this road, I lost my way. Trail went cold. What good does it do? Friends in the 
black and blue The ones that swear it's all fake news But if they all think less of me music today. This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or on what resonates in our own lives. You may consider the framing questions Lynn posed to us. What feelings are you having this holiday season? What is helping you hang on? I will read as many of the chat comments as I can keep up with. Peter Bishop says, I love that our musicians are for us religious professionals. It's true for most traditions, but I think we give our musicians even more freedom to contribute to our platform. Tony says, I want the CD. I'm sure Tom has them available. Uh, Mark Mayer was blown away by the depth of the music. Yep, I think a lot of us were feeling that, Mark. Did I miss any uh, non-music comments before I switched in? Let's see. No, I guess not. Okay. Um, who else is weighing in? Uh, Susan Runner, missing my children so much. I hear you, Susan. Shayla, I'm feeling a sense of meaning and fulfillment by helping others in need through mutual aid. Excellent. Yay. Abby sending hugs to Susan. Mm -hmm. Katrina, I think of the song, We Need a Little Christmas with the line, put up the tree before my spirit falls again. And that I think is a lot of the idea around the season. Of course, it's melancholy, it's dark, so we put up lights. Um, not sure I'm gonna get through all of this, Katrina. It's also the difference between something making you happy and something you find meaningful. Yep, this season, if not the former, can still be the latter. Uh, Trish, I'm feeling the grief of being divided from my family along the lines of the political divide. Oh, I'm so sorry. There's a lot of that going on. Jeff, I'm having a very difficult time right now. All the usual events that keep my seasonal depression at bay have been canceled. Just can't get into the holidays this year. What keeps me going is that maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel and, of course, it's not an oncoming train. Uh, 
one thing that helps me is uh, I can put on some of my favorite holiday CDs and sing along or listen along and that helps me. Uh, Margaret says, thanks, Lynn. The unlit candle and the spark really spoke to me. I'm so excited and hopeful that a vaccine is going out, yet fearful for the winter, surge of infections, and just plain missing people. Put up tons of lights inside and out. Um, Naomi, I'm enjoying the decorating and present buying, and I also appreciated Lynn's nuanced descriptions of all the ways people can feel at this time and other times. Julie says, I loved your term non-consensual Christmas music, Lynn. Yeah, that stuck with me too. I used to resent Christmas, but really don't anymore. Having my daughters here and lighting the Hanukkah candles every night with our modified ritual is very centering and unifying. Sarah Morgan, I'm hanging in there by learning to cook. There have been great successes and some hilarious failures. It has given us a bit of fun drama. Good for you, Sarah. Uh, <clears throat> Joe says, since I don't see some messages that are being read, I think folks are writing only to panelists. That may be true in some cases. Um, if you want everybody to see them, panelists and attendees is the setting you want. From Rich in Baltimore, I feel incredibly grateful to my friends, including those at Wes and family members who mean so much to me. I am sad that some may have lost their commitment to democracy in America. I fear the virus and I'm glad for the vaccine. Oh boy, I'm really getting behind now. Um, hmm. Laura Tyler, we are not cookie cutter traditional believers. Our family is multi-religious, blended. We have begun our own traditions together and we agree to disagree and support and celebrate each other when we are on our paths. Uh, Laura, oh, that was the same thing. Abby, uh, John, no, Abby is saying the most reliably cheering thing I do for the holidays is give gifts. Yep. Art Sieben's great songs. I cope by getting outside every day by social distancing with my wife and friends, Zoom calling family. And Glenn Denning, I'm feeling sad for our country and myself living alone. I have my piano students who bring me joy and fun. I have my family, but I can't see them because I'm high risk. Okay, um, thank you everyone for sharing. Um, Judy Ohm, even just the question, what are you doing to hang on brings me to tears. Yeah, it's nice to have that permission to even think about that, isn't it? Okay, um, thank you everyone for sharing. Um, it's a wonderful time to try to be real with each other, as Lynn talked about. And hopefully, <clears throat> excuse me, we can get to continue this conversation on a more intimate basis in the coffee hour today. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. As we prepare for the collection, I would like to repeat our welcome to visitors. We invite you to be our guest today and not to feel pressured by the collection. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they're able. This month, half of the offering is being dedicated to the Leaders Caring Fund, which is available to provide grants to members of the West community in times of financial hardship. Your gift to the Leaders Caring Fund may, might, might make it possible for someone to keep the heat on this winter or pay a hospital bill or stay in their home. West families in need can contact interim leader Lynn Cox for information about applying for a grant. 
Everything donated to the Leaders Caring Fund is used for concrete, compassionate purposes in our community. You'll see we have a gift by text option. Uh, that number's on the screen. And you can also make a gift online at the Ethical Society's website through the donate button. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of another song from Tom Prasada Rao. Thank you so much to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. 
Our guest musician today, Tom Prasado Rao, has certainly touched many of us in many different ways. Thanks to interim music coordinator, Leah Morris for arranging for Tom to provide today's music and for coordinating our closing song that we'll hear in a few moments. Thank you to Maceo Thomas, our membership coordinator. Thanks to Jen Watson, who created our slides. Robin Kravitz, providing communication support and hosting our coffee hour. And especially thank you to tech host, Johnny Bujek. Thanks also to all who are leading and supporting our work in the week to come. At the conclusion of platform, please join us for a virtual coffee hour. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups for small group social chatting. And to get to coffee hour after closing words, point your browser to tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour, one word. Next week, please join us back here at 10.30 a.m. for a virtual Winterfest. A merry band of poetry readers will share verses about peace, hope, love, joy, and giving. We will have music from the West Chorus. If you signed up to make a video of yourself reading a poem, you will get an email this evening from Lynn with your poem and further instructions. Please upload your video by Thursday. Everybody hear that Thursday? Good, thank you. We have opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually during the week, including support meetings and discussion groups. You can find the details for all of that and other events on our website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. Finally, thank you all for being here with us today. It's good to be together, even virtually. Let's enjoy together our closing song of the month, Dark of Winter. And now I invite you to join me in our closing words. Let us go into the week ahead, seeking the still small voice of conscience 
in our quest for a better world. Again, please join us for coffee hour. You can find the link on the slide or in the chat. And if you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, coordinator Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. See you all next week. Have a great week, everyone, and hope to see you in the coffee hour as well.